Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. I've been teaching a message series called The Valuable Lessons from the Valley. And uh, how many of you have ever had a valley experience in your life, by a show of hands? A valley, a low point. That means a low point, right? You had a low point in your life and... You know, sometimes when you're in those low areas, uh, you, you really have the propensity to quit. Or you even ask yourself, God, is this really worth it? I've been there, done that, praise God. And sometimes you're hurting so bad you can't even pray. I have a witness in here with that. <laughs> you pull your Bible out, you try to read, and you go, man, what's the use? <laughs> A lot of pastors won't even admit to you that we're, we're like that a lot of times. We're struggling trying to get a message for the church. Praise the Lord. Y'all just don't know. I struggle every, every Saturday. Because, see, I'm not a full-time pastor, so I have to work during the week. So while you're working, I'm working. <laughs> and I work hard, praise God. And so my daughter and my wife, you guys ought to always pray for them because I can't do what I do if they don't do what they do at home. Because they are sharing me with you. And they don't like to share me. <laughs> and so they give me that flexibility to do what I need to do because they understand the call of God that's on my life. See, Saint, something you got to understand before I even get into the word that where you are today is not where you're going to be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And see, and don't allow the vicissitudes of life to dictate to you to make you think that you can't do better than what you're doing. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You can do better than what you're doing right now. Don't allow your circumstances to dictate what you feel because circumstances change. Hello, somebody. Circumstances change. There, there was a time we were broke, busted. We, we had nothing. But circumstances change. And we didn't allow those circumstances to tell us what we were going to be, which is broke. That's a state of mind. And just because you have a check don't mean you got you rich. Because, see, you can have a check and still have a broke mentality. Unless you change your mindset about where you are today, then you're not going to get out of it. That's why Apostle Paul says we must renew our minds. And when your mind is renewed, you can, you can have two pennies in the bank, but don't nobody even know it. Amen. Why? Because your outlook is not determined by your bank account. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. If you got a lot or you got a little, Paul said, I know how it is to be a base and I know how to be a bound. But in all things, I'm content. Amen. But listen, if, if you can't trust God with the two pennies, How you going to trust him when he gives you that check? Amen. Amen. See, the Bible puts it this way. If you're faithful over a few things, I make you rule over many. If you can't be faithful over the few pennies you got, then why would God give you the many? And let me give you another scripture since I'm already out there. He says he gives seed to the sower. If you're not sowing, stop praying for seed. I'm just giving you Bible. That's all. Start sowing. Well, I don't have much. Well, well, sow what you got. 
because you don't build on don't haves. You build on what you have. All right, all right, all right. Amen. That wasn't the message, but we're going to get down in this thing anyway. Amen. Are y'all ready? Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, we've been talking about the valley of Elah. Somebody say Elah. The valley of Elah. You said it, the way it's pronounced in the Greek, it, you would think it's Allah, but it's Elah. That's how you say A-Y, Elah. Somebody say Elah. Now, I say this valley represents a valley of battles because this is the exact valley where uh, David ran smack dab. Somebody say smack dab. That's an Alabama term right there. Y'all might not understand what I'm saying, smack dab. He ran smack dab into Goliath, and Goliath, Goliath, he just began to taunt the man of God. He was taunting the children of Israel and the army of Israel, and this little ruddy fellow just came up. He was just running lunches to his brothers, and he could not believe that this uncircumcised Philistine was making these statements towards the children of Israel. So he, he had a problem with the giant. Somebody say he had a problem with the giant. See, the moment you just accept your giants, you can't defeat them. See, you got to have a problem with your giant. You just got to have a problem with it. I got a problem with being broke. I do. I just, oh, I just, you, uh-uh. I just, no, I'm not going to be broke. I just got a problem with that. Now, listen, listen, I'm not saying that when you come to church, because I don't preach the prosperity message here. I, I, I preach that I do believe in biblical prosperity, but I just don't believe that just because you save God wants you rich. Because Jesus was talking about spiritually rich. Because, see, I, I, I was spiritually rich when we had a dollar in the bank, and I'm spiritually rich when we got more than a dollar in the bank. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Amen? And so being spiritually rich means that no matter what you have or don't have, you're still going to walk with your head up high, and people are not going to know how bad you're hurting because your strength don't come from man. Your strength comes from the Lord. And the Bible says that the joy of the Lord shall be your strength. Is this making sense at all? Yeah. Amen. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this valley of Elah. Somebody say Elah. Elah. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to read verses 2 and 3. Verses 2 and 3. Then we're going to jump to verses 8 to 11 and then verses 45 to 46. One thing about this church, we're going to do what? We're going to read a, right, we're going to read a lot of word because you, you, you come to church to get in the word. Amen. That's why you got to have a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, look on with a real Christian. I'm just playing, y'all. Y'all so serious. Dang, the pastor can't joke. Pastor, we don't like joking pastors. <laughs> well, you came to the wrong church. <laughs> ain't lying. Because if I can't get up here and preach and laugh, something's wrong. Because I'm not changing my personality for Aaron, one of y'all. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes you just got to laugh at the devil. I ain't lying. You hurting so bad, you just laugh. <laughs> there you come again. <laughs> you got to get up out of here. You just had to laugh at the day. Come on, y'all. You got to let them know, no, you're not going to get the best of me. Oh, no, you're not going to take my sanity. Oh, no, no, I'm not going to be up all night walking the floor. I'm going to bed so I can go to sleep. Because that's the first thing he wants to do is take your sleep. You worry, you vex, you're turning, you're tossing, turning, you cry, and the tears from your eyes roll across the brim of your nose until the next eye because you're crying all night long. See, I've been there. Somebody said, no more. Mm -mm, mm -mm, no more, no more, no more. Somebody say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, sometimes you got to confess the word of God over your life so you'll know who you are. And see, faith comes how? 
Come on, come on. Faith comes how? And hearing what? So when you say stuff out loud, you hear it. So your faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so when you speak it, you hear it twice. Because in, okay, I'll get back to this in a minute. You, your anatomy is you have an inner ear and an outer ear, right? So when I preach to you, you hear me with your outer ear. Okay, put, uh, okay, put your Bibles down and your pens down for a second. Let me do a little analogy here. Just plug both of your ears and say something. Just say something. You hear how loud that is? That's your inner ear. I said, that's your inner ear. See, I can preach to you, I hit your outer ear, but you may not receive it because you might not hear it with your inner ear. That's why people say, well, pastor, that ain't for me. I don't know who you're talking about. But when you speak it, you not only hear it with your outer ear, but your inner ear. That's why you should hear the word of God sometimes, but you need to speak the word of God over yourself. Take the promises of God and speak them over your life. They are yours if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, everything that I'm saying don't belong to you. But before you leave, I want you to have what we got. Because, see, our Heavenly Father is rich. Amen? And there's a scripture that he owns a cattle of a thousand hills. I assume that that means he's got a lot. <laughs> I don't know because cattle on a thousand hills, I'm not a farmer. so I'm just saying that's a lot probably, right? Okay. All right. Cool. Are you there at 1 Samuel chapter 17? Okay, let's read a few scriptures, and let's get into this thing. The Bible says, I normally have you to stand, but I'm going to let you sit down today. The Bible says, now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sukkoth, uh, which belongs to Judah, then encamped in uh, Sukkoth and Azekah and Isfah Demin. See, uh, these, see when, sometimes when you read the Bible, you're just like, God, what, what in the world? Where did these names come from? You know what I'm saying? It's just like, Lord, have mercy. You think you got to have a theological degree. To pronounce these names, and, and you think I really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then the verse second, the second verse it says, And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah. This is what we're talking about now, and drew up in the battle array against the Philistines. Verse 3, and the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley in between. Drop down to verse 8. Verse 8 says, Then he being um, Goliath, Goliath, he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out uh, to line up for battle? I, am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man. Somebody said, choose a man. He said, choose a man for yourselves and then let him come down to me. Uh, if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. That's, that's, that's the worst thing he could have said. But if, I, <laughs> but if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants, and serve us. Verse 10, and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Verse 11, when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were afraid before the battle took place. See, we got too many Christians that you are already fearful before you even got in the battle. You have already allowed the enemy to stop you in your tracks because you refused to even fight. They were fearful, and because they were fearful, they were paralyzed. Glory to God. All right, let's go to verse 45 and 46. Verse 45 says, then David, David, now David is coming on the scene. It says, then David said to the Philistine, 
you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now, see, you see the posture? Now, now, let me just lay this thing out for you before I get into this. This was, uh, just to say, uh, this army was like the, 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 the military of the United States. Okay, let's just put it that way. And there was, uh, let's just say, there was this, this one terrorist that was defying our army of the United States. Now, this is just for, for practical purposes, just because he's our president. I'm not trying to make any kind of statements. But Barack Obama hears this terrorist speaking ill of our army and our nation. But instead of saying, take him out, he said, oh, man, he's going to hurt us. Ooh, we can't do anything. Oh, we be as grasshoppers. Hold on, hold on. He's going to hurt us. You see how big he is? See, that's how some of y'all talk. You got this whole army behind you. It's called the army of the Lord. You got this whole army behind you, but you looking at your situation and you say, oh, Lord, I don't know if you can fight my battles for me, Lord. But this whole army is behind you waiting to take out your problem. You see the situation here? And let's just say this little kid come out the hood <laughs> and says, who is that? Who that is? And why is he talking about us like that? I'll kill him. <laughs> That's basically what David said. David, was, he just walked up. He didn't even know what was going on. He just walked up and he heard something. He said, who is that? As a matter of fact, David said, who is that uncircumcised Philistine? And why is he defying the armies of Israel? So in other words, David was like, I cannot believe you are sitting here allowing this thing to eat your lunch without even going into the battle. Okay, I'm going to read some more of the book. David said, you big, and you coming at me with all this stuff. You hear the, come on, saints of God, you got to understand something, that you, though the weapons may be formed, they shall not prosper. He said, you come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I got a word. See, when you got a word from God, it doesn't matter the instruments that the enemy try to use against you. Put the word on it and let the word do the work. David said, I, I see what you got, but I got something better. I got the word. I got the name of the Lord. The Bible said that the name of the Lord is a strong tower where the righteous run into it and they are safe. Talk to me, somebody. You better let the word do the work. Put the word on your battle. Amen? But you got to be in the word to work it. All right, let me read a little bit more of this book. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. You see this faith-filled words. See, that's what you had to tell cancer. Cancer, this day, the Lord is going to deliver me from you. You hear this lupus? This day, I'm no longer going to have lupus. This day, I'm no longer going to have fibromyalgia. This day, I'm no longer going to have heart disease. This day, I'm no longer going to have diabetes. This day! Engage in the battle. Fight for what's yours. Fight, saints of God. We've, we've lost the will to fight. Where, where, where are all the fighters at? Where are all the, the fighting men? We got so many punked out men in the church today. Now, I'm not even talking about that society. I'm talking about men who are straight. 
I'll get on that society in a second. But I'm just talking about guys who should be powerful in the church act like little wimps. Oh, Lord, pray for me, Pastor. Pray for yourself. <laughs> Calling me. No, I'm not raising up no little, no little babies in this house. You're going to have to learn how to fight for your house. Fight for everything that's in your life. Fight for your wife. Fight for your children. The men of God, when they built the temple in the Old Testament, the Bible said they have a trial in one hand and a sword in the other hand. The trial was for building and the sword was for battling. So you got to build and battle all at the same time. Can't nobody build your house for you. Build your own house. I can't have a relationship with God with you when I'm trying to have it with him. So you can't live your life vicariously through me. Are you saved? Oh, I go to that church. I asked you a question if you were saved. <laughs> Just because you go to a particular church don't mean you saved. As a matter of fact, the way you talk, I know you can't be. Now, that might be some strong meat. <laughs> but I think Apostle Paul said, I long that you would like to eat meat and stop drinking milk. See, that's the, that's the problem with the church today. We got too many milk-drinking Christians in the church. They can't take a real word, so they got to go somewhere to get a watered-down word so somebody can pat them on the back. They can go out and keep on fornicating and sinning, and they just show up to church, write a little tie check, and keep doing what they're doing. Talk to me, somebody. Somebody said, that's not this kind of church. Oh, no, no, I'm going to address sin. See, my skin is not my problem. It's sin. Racism is not the problem. It's sin. And if you don't deal with the root, you're always going to have to deal with it. That's why you got to have a church who understands biblical context. The answers to society is not going to be found in another government program. It's going to be found in the house of God. And when the church gets together and we begin to unite, it doesn't matter if it's church of God or Christ. It doesn't matter if it's Nazarene, Nazarene, or Bassinet. If we can just get together and stop talking about each other and start lifting up each other, we can do more in the kingdom of God. For the Bible said the kingdom of God suffered violence, but the violence take it by force. I don't mean to scream, but I'm a little excited. I'm passionate about it because it is my goal. It is my goal to unite churches. We're going to unite churches like never before, and we're going to be a powerful force. I'm not saying we're going to try to be. We're going to be. Because, see, see, every time I read in the Bible when the people of God got together, they, they, had, they committed damage against the kingdom of darkness. See, and that's why the, the biggest, the, the, the most comfortable place of the enemy is in church, especially a church that don't talk about sin. That's why you have them flipping and slipping all around the pulpit because there's no issue of dealing with sin. And when you deal with sin, you can't let it in. It doesn't matter if you're a fornicator, a liar, a homosexual. It doesn't matter if it's sin, it's sin. And I just came to deal with sin. And if I'm not dealing, if I'm not uh, talking about it, then it's easy for me to be susceptible to it. And then you might have a homosexual in the pulpit and don't even know it. And they're trying to preach you the word, and then they're trying to tell you how to live your life, and they're living their life in another alt, alt, alternate lifestyle. 
and then they come and lay hands on you. Don't you know when they lay hands on you, that spirit is going to get in your spirit, and now you got an infeminine spirit, and you're trying to figure out why my hand keeps doing this. Everybody don't need to be laying hands on you. You need somebody with a pure word. You need somebody that's got some character and integrity about them. See, see, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with my wife for real. I'm not trying to fake it for you. I know I'm in love with this woman. This is the only woman for me because she was with me when y'all weren't. When I had nothing, when I was broke, she was with me. When I got a little something, something, she's with me. She was with me when we had two. She'll be with me when we got 20,000. You can get up and leave anytime you want to, but I know as long as I got this by my side, I will never fail God. There's nothing that a woman can offer me that I don't already have at home, and then some. I ain't, I ain't got to fake it either. See, one thing about a marriage, see, the worth of a man can be found in the countenance of his wife's face. All you got to do is look at my wife's face. You know I'm taking care of business at the house. I ain't playing about it. Sorry, Caitlin. <laughs> Sorry, boo. <laughs> yeah. Amen, somebody. See, see, un unfortunately, saints, is, and listen, I might get to this, but unfortunately, what I got to deal with here, there is a serious, serious systemic problem in the church. And it's with pastors and their wives. It's a serious issue because they fronting to look good in front of you. But what they don't realize is you already know it. See, I can't, this is what I can't understand. Maybe you can help me with this. When you see problems in the pulpit, you try to go up and address them and they completely ignore you, but you stay in the church. I don't understand that. I can't understand why you know there's issues, but you stay under issues. And then you're trying to figure out well, why I got issues. <laughs> I, look, I'm not the brightest person in the world. I can figure stuff out. I do have some common sense. But if there are issues in the pulpit and I got issues, I got to get to a pulpit that don't have any like that. See, I can't have a man and a woman trying to speak into my life when their marriage is jacked up. See, how you going to tell me how I need to fix my marriage when your marriage is tore up from the floor? Hello, somebody. I'm just telling you. I'm just being real with you right now. Hello, somebody. So, so I, I just have, I have some issues with this stuff that needs to be addressed, which is why this is a good promo for my book that's coming out this summer, because I'm going to be dealing with these issues, issues of mixture. So get ready for it. And we're going to deal with mixture on every level, not just in the church, but I'm dealing with mixture that's on the board of a business. A Christian man that's trying to live right, but he's compromising because he's in a secular business. Uh-uh, that's still mixture. And when you compromise in business, you're compromising on the word of God. Is this good enough for you? Okay, now let me give you some of this word. You ready? I think I am. <laughs> See, one of the things we got to remember is, guys, we got to take some risks. Yeah. If you take a risk, if you win, you're happy. But if you lose, you get wise. Yeah. 
So let me explain that. See, if you take, oh, everybody got it? I, I try to do stuff that's simplistic because I'm not very profound at all. So I'm, real, I'm a real simple person. So, but that's simple to me. Take a risk. What that means, if I win, then, then man, that's awesome because I took a risk. But if I lose, then I capitalize on my wisdom, right? So, so don't let your setbacks set you back. Let your setbacks be a stepping stone to your next level. Hello. So when you fail, make sure you fail forward. See, Les Brown said it this way. When you fall, fall on your back, because if you can look up, you can get up. Hello, somebody. So take some risk. Take some risk. Somebody say, take some risk. Slap somebody a high five and say, take some risk. Take some risk. Take some risk. Listen, listen, just trust God with it. Go ahead and just step off the boat. I know you've never walked on water before. See, the territory that God is about to take you to, you've never walked on. <laughs> oh, God, I thank you, Lord. I received that one for myself because he just told me he's going to take me to some places I've never walked in. But I'm stepping off the boat. Somebody say, step off the boat. Step off the boat. See, the thing about stepping off the boat, everybody's not going to step with you. <laughs> now, they might be your cheerleader. Or they might try to be a distraction. Girl. <laughs> You better not get off of this boat. <laughs> you might get hurt. You go out there and try to start that business. You know you don't have no money. How many of y'all don't, have, y'all don't know anybody like that, do you? Mm-hmm. You just do anything that's different. <laughs> you better not take that cruise. You know they're killing folks on boats. <laughs> We got ready to leave for Mexico. I asked, I was, who you know, you know, you better not go to Mexico. <laughs> you might get hurt. And like I just said in my community, you might get killed. <laughs> we went to Mexico, had a good time. Amen. You better not, don't, you might not want to go over there to Europe. They got some problems over there. Shoot, they killing folks right up the street. I can't even walk out my house. Pow! <laughs> and I'm going to be scared overseas. I don't walk in fear. Somebody say, I don't walk in fear. No, God has not given you the spirit of fear. So don't walk in fear. Well, baby, that's, uh, that's too far to drive. We're going to catch an airplane. <laughs> Airplane? People dying in airplanes. More people die in car crashes than airplane crashes. I think it's an issue of commitment, right? I think flying is an issue of commitment. Because once they close that door, you commit it. Once they close that screen door, you in there. <laughs> Amen. And you don't even know. See, let me, ooh, thank you, Jesus. Can I teach y'all a little something about faith? Can somebody say faith? faith. Let me tell you a little bit of what faith is compared to what faith is not. See, faith, the atheists will tell you that we have blind faith, and I assure you, my faith is not blind. See, the reason my faith is not blind, because I don't have subjective faith, I have objective faith. So subjective faith means that my faith is subjective. It's, it's, I can change it depending on how I feel that day. But my faith and your faith should be is, is objective, which means our faith is in an object. And that object is Jesus Christ. 
And see, because I know that my faith is in a man, and I know that that man is God, and I know that that man came down, he lived on this earth a sinless life, and I know that man made a choice and a decision to take away my sins by dying on a bloody cross. But he didn't just die. He told the people, if you take my life, I can raise it up again. He said, but can't nobody take my life. I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I can take it back up again. Because the only man that can lay down his life and take his life back up is God. So he died on a bloody cross, but he laid in a tomb for three days. And on the third day, the Holy Spirit filled him. He, he just folded his nice little clothes and left them. I'll read the word of God. The Bible said that, that it was folded. His clothes were folded. Jesus is so, so just, just so polite. He, he, ain't he tight? He folded. Before he left, he said, oh, I can't leave this house like this. Let me fold my clothes. Uh, praise God. And he, he folded the clothes. And, and it was neat because when they went in, they saw the napkin folded. Read your word. Uh, and see, but what that has a deeper meaning, saints of God, because in a Jewish family, if you went to have dinner, and if the dinner was good, and if you were satisfied with the dinner, you will fold your napkin. And what that means is, I invite myself to come. Come back. So what Jesus was saying to all of the world is, I sure enjoyed myself. I had a good dinner with you, and I'm folding the napkin because I'm coming back. Woo! Somebody say he's coming back. Glory to God. Somebody say, he's coming back, he's coming back. He's coming back for you, son. He's coming back for you. He's coming back, he's coming back. See, when that sky cracks open, I'm going with him. Because the Bible says, when we see him, we shall be like him. Glory to God. That's the man I'm talking about. He's an object. He's not a neutral pronoun, it's a person. So I know in what I believe, it's not blind faith. But let me just say this. If you are an atheist or a Christian, and you get on the same airplane, when that door closed, we both have faith. <laughs> Let me tell you why. We have faith that those two brothers up front, they know what they're doing. I want to make sure that they're not carpenters. I know all that spiritual stuff. Jesus was a carpenter. I don't want no carpenter flying the plane. I want an airplane pilot. Oh, if you're real technical, an aeronautical engineer, yeah. a naval aviator. Yeah. And because I worked on fighter jets, I know that they throw titles around. And so that's what I want. But listen, here's the other thing I have faith, that when I see that truck underneath pumping stuff in the tank, I sure hope that's not water. <laughs> I really hope I pray that it's jet fuel. But since you don't know, you're still committed. That's right. Oh, yeah. See, this, this is what I'm trying to get to, saints of God. You may not know what God is doing. Yeah. Just get committed. Yeah. Go ahead and get on that plane and fly with him. Yeah. Get on that destination ride. You just never know where God will take you. Yeah. Hello, somebody. Yeah. Let somebody say that's faith. that's faith. Just have a little faith and go and trust God. Amen. Yeah. So listen, going through these battles is a serious thing. It's a serious nature. And so we got to talk about a couple of things. First of all, this battle represents a battle of fear because these men were fearful. They were dismayed in their spirit. See, fear is a state of mind. It's not real. 
your brain makes it real. See, how can you be fearful of something that hasn't happened? I'm scared something's going to happen to me. Something's going to happen. It hadn't happened yet. So the devil is making you think, well, you should be afraid of it, even though it hadn't happened. And you know what he does? He paralyzes you. Uh, and then you got people, you know, you, know, you, you better not do that. Uh, yeah, you know what? You're right. You know, you know, last time you did that, you got hurt. Uh, you, you, you know, you're right. I, yeah, I've been, that's probably not the Lord. And then you can't sleep because the, the Lord is messing with you. And you're trying to figure out, God, what's going on? You've been disobedient. It's a battle of fear. But God has not given us the spirit of fear. So now, you want to know how to overcome fear? He told us in the same verse. Isn't that nice that God would give us the answers? He don't just give us questions. He gives us the answers, too. He said, you got a choice. You can get blessings or cursings, life, death. And then he tells us what to choose. He said, so choose life. Isn't that awesome? I love a teacher that not only gives you the questions, but the answers, too. How can you? You can't. You, you're going to pass the test. You got the answers. Amen. So just choose life. Amen. Hello. So he told us how to overcome fear. Power. Somebody say power. power. See, that's the Greek word dunamis where we get the English word dynamite. Yeah. Dunamis. Somebody say dunamis. Yeah. See, if you don't feel like you got power, you're going to act like a weakling. And if you don't feel like you have authority, you're going to allow an atheist or an agnostic or, or somebody that's in Islam or one of these other crazy religions that believe all that stupid stuff. You're going to let them talk down to you and your God, and you feel you can't even, you don't even know what to, well, see, I just believe anyway. And that's all you got. Because if you don't get in this, then you won't know how to say things. He said, I will give you a mouth and wisdom that not even your enemies or your adversaries will be able to gainsay or resist. When you're in this, the Holy Spirit says, open your mouth, I tell them. I just open your mouth. But you got to be in this. When you're in this, there's no question that anybody can ask you that you can't answer. And even if you can't answer, you say, well, God knows. <laughs> because to know anything, you got to know everything. And since we don't know everything, we, know, we must need to know the person who does. Okay, let me, I said that fast, so let me break that down for you when you're dealing with somebody who's an unbeliever. They think they know everything. And if you don't come against them, you're going to believe it too. Why? Let me tell you why. Because they're trying to make you give evidence. Well, prove to me that God is real. No, you prove to me that he isn't. No, I don't take time with that. I don't have time. I'm going to heaven. I don't have time. I know where I'm going. So, so no, you prove to me that he, doesn't, he isn't real. So if you give me some evidence that he's not real, then I give you some evidence that he is. You see how you turn the tables on him? Right? And then, then you're not mad because you're trying to figure out, well, let me find a scripture. What's the scripture? What is it? That's over there in 1 Corinthians. No, that's over there in Isaiah. No, it might be in Ezekiel. <laughs> I don't even go there. I don't even have to worry about if it's in the Bible or not. Because the one thing I do know, they cannot even disprove God. Because God is already real. So, so, so then, then you go, okay, I see you're struggling. Let me help you out a little bit. Let me, let me just help you. 
So if God is not real, why do you spend so much time trying to convince other people that he's not? I mean, just a very simple question, right? If he's not real, why are you just trying to convince everybody that he's not real? Why don't you just go on about the If God is not real, why are you fighting every area that has a cross? If God is not real, if God, if we just happen to exist because of the Big Bang Theory and all of a sudden some meteors hit and then boom, we got a brain and we came from monkeys and we, we evolved, right? So, so, so this young man right here, KJ, man, man, KJ was having this discussion in the car one day and it was really, really intriguing. So I, we was talking about atheism and stuff like that and, and he laid something, he dropped something on me. I mean, you know, you just have to be prepared to hear something from God no matter who you're talking to. That little rascal dropped something on me. So he said he was having this, this discussion with this atheist. And so he said, he, <laughs> and this atheist was trying to disprove, you know, God is not real. And he had all of this. Blah. And so he said, well, if, 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 you know, evolution is real, why aren't we still evolving? I mean, he dropped that on me. I'm driving. I'm sitting here like, mm. <laughs> Boy, that's, that's heavy. That's, that's heavy. Don't you drop that on him. So show me another monkey that's evolving into a man. Maybe I'll believe you then. And since I don't believe in Darwinism, I don't believe in macroevolution, I believe in the divine creator. Because you gotta, you got to disprove the theory of third law thermodynamics. Which means that anything that lays at rest too long, it'll destroy itself. So how can dirty water become something else because it'll destroy itself? Because nothing touches it. See, unless something touches it, it can't be in it. This is why God didn't even speak man into existence. You do know that, right? He made man. Why? He had to touch. Everything else he spoke into existence. But when it came to his man, he said, I got to be involved. I'm going to make him in my likeness and after my image. Let me form this little rascal with a little head, a couple little ears and eyes and a little nose. Let me put some hands and feet on that little rascal. And then I'm going to put something inside of him that he's going to desire. But he's not going to desire it until I pull it out. So he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Adam said, I'm alone. Wait, I only know what that is. I'm alone. He said, no, you, you're alone. You're alone. I'm alone? He said, you're alone. Okay. He said, I'm going to give you something. Good God Almighty. He said, I'm going to give you something. You don't even know you need it. See, this is what, see, let me talk to the men, all the men in the God, the men of God say, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was weak, but that's all right. So, 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 so the men of God in the house, listen, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Adam had such a closeness with God, he didn't even know he was alone. He was so tight with God, he didn't even realize he was there by himself. Why? Because he didn't need anything because God had everything for him. He said, but boy, boy, I got something for you. He said, but I'm going to have to put you to sleep because I got to do a little surgery. Now, you're going to feel it when you wake up. But when you see what I got for you, the, <laughs> somebody said, that brother preaching there, right? <laughs> but when you see what I got for you, 
the pain that you have to feel doesn't even compare with the blessing that I'm giving you. Glory to God. So he put Mr. Adam to sleep. Uh-huh. He pulled out of Mr. Adam, Mrs. Adam, not Eve. Her name wasn't changed to Eve until after the fall. And it wasn't God who named her. It was Adam. So too many people got Adam and Eve in their marriage. When it should be Adam and Mrs. Adam. They had to have the same name because they were one. And if you don't believe me, just go to Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and it'll tell you, and their names were Adam, by the way. Anyway, he made this woman. So when Adam woke up, he said, ow. That's my Bible. That's not in the Bible. (laughs) That's my Bible, right? I'm paraphrasing, so this is not doctrine. (laughs) So I can imagine, he said, man, something missing. Ooh. <laughs> 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 hey, is, is, is that what you talk about? <laughs> so when Adam saw Mrs. Adam, it, it wasn't his lips, her lips, hips, or fingertips that he was drawn to. He was drawn to her because she was his body. She was the feminine part of his masculinity. So what Mr. Adam was able to do, he was able to give to her what he needed. Oh, I know that's deep right there. That brother preaching up some stuff today. See what I'm saying? See, let me tell you. If you want to be hugged more, give more hugs. The Bible says give That's why he was able to give her what he needed. He was the masculine part of her femininity. So when they came together, they were one with one another. So when they hugged each other, there was a a spirit of life with them that they can be vulnerable with one another because they said we were naked and not ashamed. That means I don't hide nothing from you, baby. Who I am is who I, you know all about me. And since we've been together for 21 years, married 24 years knowing each other or maybe they're about something like that and since we understand each other and we got his story together I don't have time to be trying to make some new history I ain't got that kind of time I ain't got that kind of time that's too much work oh lord have mercy that's too much work oh lord have mercy (laughs) Y'all, I'm, y'all been married a while. You know that's that's too much. That's just too much work. That's just too much work. See, see, people who just want to just give that up too easy, they don't understand. That's just, whew. that's work. We got it to where it is today. It's not good. It's great, and I'm gonna give up what's great for something that ain't gonna be great. Give it up for a woman who does not even recognize, understand, or know the call that's on my life. As a matter of fact, she wouldn't even know how to operate in the areas that I'm in. So this woman can walk with some integrity and some dignity about herself because she knows this man. She knows where I came from. So when I preach the word, she knows that the word I preach is pure because she knows how I treat her. 
I can't come in here and preach a pure word and I'm fighting her at home. That spirit don't mix. And if I'm not ground in privately, I can't be powerful publicly. So Adam began to look at this and he was like, wow, God, wrap it up. I'll take it. It's powerful. That is powerful. See, she was God's choice for him. See, the problem with a lot of Christian couples today, they don't wait on God's choice. Mm -hmm. See, you settle for a bozo instead of waiting for your boaz. Mm -hmm. AZ, right? POAZ. L A Z Y A Z. Some of y'all will get it going home today. Y'all better be glad the children are in here because I would have said it. Don't forget the broke. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, the broke uh, A Z. Uh huh. <laughs> Don't forget about the beating your A Z. Oh, he loves me. That's why he does this. <laughs> Y'all keep asking questions. Y'all done threw me way off what I was talking about. <laughs> Adam and Mrs. Adam. You got you to understand something about when you're in a real relationship, there's no fear. See, when you're in a real relationship, because you got to understand something. When, when, when Adam was put to sleep, he had no idea what was about to take place. But Mr. Adam gave birth to Mrs. Adam. Let me say that one more time. Mr. Adam gave birth to Mrs. Adam. She became his next level. The reason God chooses the woman, because it has to be the woman who knows how to promote her man. See, that's why the Bible says, that a bickering woman is like a dropping faucet. You just a dripping faucet. You just drip, 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 drip. I'm just you just keep on talking about the same old every time I come in. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I hope you haven't been like that. Right? Because see, the Bible says a wise woman builds her house. Women, let me talk to you for a second. You have more words than we do. God made sure that you did. Y'all have more words. Y'all, you just, you just got more words. You just have more words. Listen, my, my, these two right here, they wordy. <laughs> but I'm, 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 I ain't lying, right? Yeah. They wordy. So she, even if my daughter is telling me stuff and my wife is there, my wife sees my eyes. They were just, they were just glass. They were just, just it's a fog. <laughs> and she said, baby, you lost them. High level. <laughs> right? And she had to go high level because when you get down and you lose me, I'm a man. I don't have that many words. It don't take much. You just two or three words, boom, I'm there. But when you real wordy with it, I'm like, I'm, oh, God. 
So then I have to pick and choose. So I'll pick a couple of words here, something in the middle, and I tie it in on the end. And it might not even be what she's talking about. And so my wife now, she's wise, a wise woman. She would ask me, what did I just say? I hate when she do me like that because I don't know. But I got to play it off. Well, see, well, what happened? Baby, you, you didn't even hear me. Uh, no, I ain't, I ain't even. I, I don't even know what you said. <laughs> I'm telling everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to help us. But we're just high level, right? But listen, this is the woman. This is the woman. See, the woman has more words because one of the definitions of a help me, you know your Bible says help me. If your Bible says help mate, scratch it out, that's, she's not a mate. See, a mate is just someone there for sex. See, your, your wife is not a mate. She's a meat. She helps you meet your responsibilities. Now listen, if she don't do it, then you do it. Oh boy, the brother's getting ready to get mad at me now. Oh, since let me just go, since I'm out there and I'm way off of this message, let me go ahead and drop some stuff on you. Since I'm out there now to teach you on some stuff. See, she's there to help you meet your responsibilities, but Adam was made first. That's good. Say right there. <laughs> so, so since Adam was made first, the garden was his first to do something. He said, dress it, keep it. Keep it in order. It's yours. Make sure you take care of it. So when you at the house, if your helpmeet says, I'm not doing the dishes today. Adam, that's your responsibility. You can't bless her out and then go to God and say, God, you need to help that woman. God said, no, I gave you what you needed. Did, didn't you pray for her? Now get your rear end in there and wash those dishes. <laughs> I'm trying to help y'all. I ain't lying. I am. You know what that does, though? It makes you humble. The first thing. Second thing, it makes you appreciate who you got. Because sometimes the woman is doing stuff and you take it for granted because she always gets it done. And sometimes you need to know, woman, you know, you, you, you boy, you bad. Yes, I am. You, you, <laughs> bam. See, Alvin, Alvin, Alvin is probably driving right now. Oh, God, uh, my wife just said something. <laughs> Praise God. You see what I'm saying? It makes you humble because it'll make you appreciate what you got. Right? See, see this is why those affairs and stuff don't work. Because it's based on a faulty premise. Well, your wife just don't understand. Who are you? Oh, so, right. You know, like, you're going to understand better? Where's your man? <laughs> if you spent more time to get a single man and less time trying to get a married man, maybe you can find a man. Come on. Well, I like married men because they say, no, baby, I'm dangerous. Because in a few minutes, I'm getting ready to rebuke that devil out of you right now. Because, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. 
at, yeah, and then, and then that thing, that thing right there from the Midwest, he'll cut you. <laughs> like my grandmama said, I cut your throat. She just took the R out. Just ain't no throat with my grandmama. Just obviously cutting your throat must be deeper than your throat. I got to find out when I go back to Alabama. Is this making sense at all, saints of God? Right? So you got to understand the context of this. Before the woman could be birthed, Adam had to go to sleep. Before God could give birth to the church, he had to put his son to sleep. Jesus said, it is finished. And they pricked him in his side. And the Bible says, forthwith came out blood and water, giving birth to the church. So when he saw her, he said, boy, that's my body. That's why we're called the body. Come on, somebody. See, see, you don't, you might not understand how deeply in love Jesus is with you. And see, if you don't know that, you take it for granted. You come to church when you're going to come to church, you're all late. No, no, I'm going to lay some. No, that's the apostle coming out of me now. Because if you're in a real relationship, you value that relationship. So you're not coming to church because I'm telling you to. You come to church because of your lover. Because you're not coming to please me or her or the leaders in this church. You're coming to please your lover. Why? I didn't die for you. Matter of fact, I had to think about it and pray about it if I have to die for you. I'm just being honest. It depends on the situation. If you take your broke behind somewhere and you don't need to be in there, I ain't, uh -uh, I ain't coming in there. I'll send somebody. They gave us numbers for that. It's called 911. God knows the numbers. 911, go get him. I pray for you when you get out of there, amen? So since I'm totally and completely in love with Jesus, he teaches me how to love her. And because as a man, I'm vulnerable to him, I don't mind showing my vulnerabilities to her. Why? Because he sets me right based on the way I treat him. And if I don't treat him right, I'm not going to treat her right. That's why Apostle Paul says, husbands, love your wives as. The word as means to the same degree. As Christ loved the church. Listen, saints, ladies, if you got a man that don't know God, you're in trouble. And you might be following a false doctrine that says you got to stay with a person when they don't follow God. It says the woman should follow the man as the man follows Jesus. You better read the word. And just because it goes to church don't mean he's a man of God. It may be a smoke screen. Oh, see, he goes to church. Don't bring that to me. There's a lot of people go to church, but the church is not in them. Hello, somebody. Hello? You with me? Oh, man, I don't even know where I'm going now. I just went, y'all just kept asking those questions this morning. So, obviously, somebody needed it. Amen? Was this good? We'll get back on that another time. I'm just... I just... <laughs> Praise God. 
Amen. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.